Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com and the Radio.com app. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins in the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah, yeah. With Ken Laird from the Greg Hill Morning Show. That's evidently what Ken Laird wants you to believe. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. Everything gonna be all right? Place him up for some bees talk right now. It's the Skate Pod. Sunday Skate, I'll give it a B, B plus. On WEEI. Holy, this is a big time show. It is a big time show. Here we go, 21st of November, another edition of the Skate Pod. Ken Laird, Matt Kalman, WEI.com, Bruins writer, you know him well. Just a quick tease, next week, Dale Arnold makes his glorious return to, I guess it was his own podcast, we kind of stole, your co-author. We stole it, we changed the name on it, you know, it's like, you know, he's just moving back into an old house that got renovated or something. So is Dale angry, we'll find that out. Uh, Real quick before, Dale mentioned you by uh, name on his main show today. And and the word respect in the same sentence. Yeah, well, hmm. Uh, it was kind of half respect. Before we get into it, though, reminder, you can follow us. On all your favorite podcast locations, Apple Podcasts, give us a review. That's the big thing. We want a five-star. We'd like something nice. Absolutely. And, uh, spread, I mean, spread the wealth. Why would you listen to this and not want to spread it with everybody else? Right. Let everybody know. And we are presented by Red River. We love Red River. We thank them for uh, sponsoring the Skate Pod, the exclusive sponsor of the Skate Podcast. Guest on this week's show is the great Eddie Shack. Now, you interviewed Eddie along with the author of his, is it his autobiography? Or yeah, so, it's, it? oh, I guess you call it an autobiography when he's part of the writing, yeah. Ken Reed actually, the, is his the, name. Yeah, Ken Reed. And actually, the spoiler alert is that Eddie Shack can, can barely read and write, So and he's got a book out, so it's so, great. That was a huge punchline. I listened to this interview. I was not a part of it. I was here recording it. Let you handle it. It's it's fantastic. Eddie Shack <laughs> only played in Boston two years. Two years, but they were two but he huge is a character, years. right. And uh, a guy who won four, the Cup four times in Toronto so uh, you know, a rare a rare mm-hmm. experience he can share that somebody actually wins the cup in Toronto. He's going to be like what is he eighty four or something like that? Something like Jack? that. Yeah. You know how you ever, now you see like these one hundred year old World War Two veterans, right. like the last remaining. Eddie Shack is going to be around for twenty more years, and and they'll be like the last guy to see exactly. the least voice the cup. Mike Zeisberg will be going up to him <laughs> to do like the last Q and A. It is a fantastic interview with a would you kind of say Bruins legends a little bit extreme because he only played here two years. Well, but not a Bruins legend, but a, but a hockey legend. A hockey who legend should probably be in the Hockey Hall of Fame considering uh, you know the things he accomplished in the, in the era he did it. So that's coming a bit later in the show. Matt's guest today is Eddie Shack. So uh, 
it took you all of a week to break the embargo on not breaking up the uh, top line or not even discussing breaking up the top line. Bergeron's out two games. Well, with the disclaimer that I understand it was playing against the Devils, but this goes beyond last night. As the numbers from Natural Statric show us, going back to last year, Marshan, Krejci, and Pasternak are a pretty you know, juggernaut-like line. And uh, if Bergeron's going to be in and out of the lineup, why not? Uh, why not try to work him in other places and just leave those guys to be the number one line? Well, their record has enabled them to now consider the load management plan of Kawhi Leonard to rest Bergeron <laughs> selective nights. It's so funny people laughed at me when I said that might come up this year, and it's going to come up with Chara too at some point, I bet. But no, I think... no, his ice time's been up though in the games he's played. Yeah, you wrote that. Oh, like thirty seconds, not too much. Yeah. Um, but so so when he plays, he's going full bore. Yeah. They haven't, because that's one thing I asked Cam Neely about right. before the year. You know, are, are you going to rest? You know, will his minutes per game go down? That hasn't been the case. Right. I wonder if, if that's if they found it hard. Well, that's, that's another thing. If you're going to, if you put him on another line, you can cut back his minutes too, because you're you're running that top line so hard into the ground lately that uh, in some of these games that uh, you know maybe it would be better on him if he's not. Now people said, I saw one tweet said that if Bergeron's playing with say DeBrusque and Richie or DeBrusque and Kynan, whatever that. It'd be heavy lifting, but it would be heavy lifting on in fewer minutes. And uh, the more I think about it, I mean, you can't get into it too much in a story that you don't want to go a thousand words, right? But how much would it benefit Jake DeBrusque in the long run to play with Patrice Bergeron and maybe become a Brad Marchand-type player as opposed to just you know running with David Krejci the way he has been? And it's about the two-way game. It's about learning how to, you know— get, Get, get into certain positions against certain players, and but not but do it while you're not taking on the top lines the way Marshan and Bergeron have done. So there there is such a trickle effect throughout the lineup to that that I think it's it's worth considering. And I mean I mean clearly the easy thing to do here is to keep Bergeron and Marshan together and just make Pasternak and Krejci a pair. And I'm content with that too. I mean they have to do that now, don't they? I mean they the way Krejci. I mean people there was one. Jerk who tweeted that oh you know Krejci's two assists were secondary assists but it wasn't just about the assists it was about the whole game you know he had that great pass that Pasternak went mm-hmm. uh, offside on and oh the tripping penalty and then the tripping penalty mm-hmm. drew so there's there was plenty of of chemistry there that clearly you know at one point there maybe had not been that chemistry a couple of years ago and people were like why can't you you force the two checks together why what they but now I mean they're having a lot of fun out there and there's no reason that uh, David Pasternak possibly the best scorer in the league, not just based on goals, the goals that he has right now, is he can be on another line. Yeah, well, I agree with you there. And, in fact, I was calling for that last year. Krejci and Boston like to play together. But you yeah. say that Cassidy has options. Bergeron and Marchand are not breaking apart. <laughs> well, that's that's, that's not Cassidy's what is, choice. What does Patrice Bergeron want? Exactly. That's not happening. So that's the only problem at this point. But, I mean, it, it would definitely benefit the Bruins in the long run to, to see if they could find other combinations, especially if – if Patrice Bergeron, you know, isn't going to be in the lineup, why, why keep going, keep juggling these guys? Um, but by the same token, you know, somebody else said that well, they had this historic October. Why would you break up this line? They've been this amazing line. Well, they came up a game short, and it's not just about losing Game Seven. I mean, I've said this before. You got to Game Seven; it was great. You were that close to winning. But what were the road to Game Seven was difficult. And it's always going to be pretty difficult, but maybe it's easier to an extent, not not as difficult, if you have a more balanced lineup, you have more than one line that you're leaning on. They got the secondary scoring, but they didn't get that really until after the Toronto series. So well, balance, balance it out Johansson more at the and, beginning. Johansson and Coyle had some big moments in the Toronto series. Well, Johansson was out. 
Was he out for the end? Right, he didn't come back to the end of that series. Yeah, the series. But right. They, I mean, so I just want to see them. Uh, you know that that might alleviate some of the problem. And then when you get to game seven of game, of the final, maybe you're not as banged up. Maybe you haven't gone through as much of the rigor. It's always going to be hard. But you you got to look for ways to release. And you, maybe you didn't lose that Stanley Cup because of game seven. Maybe you lost it because you went you know an extra game of Columbus that you didn't need or Toronto that you didn't need. Um, it takes its toll, and so it's not it's worth it to have the balance lineup now and not set the world on fire with you know three guys getting 100 points when maybe you'll just be a better team in the, in the, in the spring. Well, here's what Dale said about you. I would probably, be, if it were my choice, and I, I respect Matt Kalman's opinion, but if it were me, I'd leave the first line alone. I mean, see, that's, I mean, is that, does he really respect your opinion? Or not? Well, obviously not, but. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out next week. Well, at least my opinion for this week, right? Because by next week that we'll be on the podcast talking about, why could you break that line up? <laughs> but, you know. Yeah, you will be. You're but the I one think, who issued I, the mandate. I think at this point, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty clear it's pretty much 80% break that line up and 20%, you know, keep them together. Just because you watch some of the games that they play, the three of them together, and it's just so much fun. And when you consider the National Hockey League season can be such a damn bore. Uh, even like last night watching them play the Devils, who are clearly not interested in competing yeah. too hard at this point. If they get down, they're going to let you roll over them. So when you watch the things that Parsonak, Marchand, and Bergeron do together and the no-look passes, the between-the-leg shots – it, it's a circus act that's hilarious and, and entertaining, but in the, like I said, it, it's, all, it's not about entertaining me as much as I'd like it to be. It's about being a better team in April and May and June. Well, you could also, within games, move things around. Cassidy's done that. I mean, you could double shift Pasternak. I, I do want to go back to the, the loss, the one loss since we've last spoken. Yeah. So they blew the game with the Capitals and then losing the shootout, which we all know they stink in the shootout. And <laughs> thankfully, that's not part of the postseason, so maybe it's not as big of an issue. Right. But the game-tying goal, Chara didn't clear. I get that, but again, Pasternak's out there defensively late in the game yeah. and does not drop down on T.J. Oshie. So I don't. So, I mean, is he playing too much? Why is he on the ice there? What what is happening there? <laughs> I don't know why he's on the ice there, but uh, at, at one point I did think he was playing too much, and he, he scaled back a little bit. I think he played 17 minutes in Toronto. I just looked this up again because I was watching this. He had like five games in a row where he was over 21 minutes. Um. You know, he's still learning the defensive game. Clearly, there was a lot of breakdowns there. Clearly, they had their chances, as we know. To, ex- I don't, I don't blame them losing that game, or even if you want to call it a tie mm-hmm. because of the shootout. I don't blame them on that Chara pass or Pasternak's break missed uh, missed assignment there. I blame it on they didn't extend the lead because again, it was one of those games where how many times can you be open in the slot and pass the puck? It's just amazing uh, how many times that's gone on, and I think. How about Charlie McAvoy though? He's taking it to heart, huh? He he came, oh, you know, great was, that one series with Ovechkin, just the, the right, the closing the gap and, and laying uh, the body that was awesome and shooting to see. the puck and shooting the puck. So clearly, you know, my story had uh, some resonance with him. He got a little testy with me in the, in mm-hmm. the conversation, and so that fired him up clearly. And uh, how testy? Nah, he just was. They they hate it when you try to ask them like honest explanation of like, so how do you you know. I never played the damn game, so explain. I want to know, like, how what what were you trying to do here? He thinks you you're know? mocking him, like, you know. Well, of course, they all they all take it like so personally, or so like I'm 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 criticizing you, I'm nitpicking you, like I I you know the old oh you could do better type, ah whatever. But you know, it'd be nice to know if Charlie McAvoy tells me something, I could pass it on to my nine year old son. That'd be great, right? Well, you Best lit advice. up Pasternak a couple years ago, and you've inspired him now to what nineteen? <laughs> oh goals. yeah, well exactly, and you know now we have an inside joke too. I mean, the other day I had a conversation with him. The first thing he said to me was, "That's a stupid question, Matt." <laughs> so, actually, I have the clip of that. We should probably play that one night. Um, 
So, you know, there's this team, it's crazy to think, but they, the, the, the big, their biggest almost weakness at this point is, is how much they like each other, that they try to pass so much. I mean, pretty much everyone's pretty much in agreement that they're just, that it's, it goes back to the Cam Neely thing. Don't be mm-hmm. selfish and pass. Be a little selfish and and score some goals and take some shots and make it harder. And well, sometimes they get passive that there's way. There's some drama. Grizzly scores two like that, and then a little social media war, which you're oh, feeling. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tory Crew getting nervous. He says uh, save some for the rest of us there. So uh, maybe he's getting nervous. He's watching his future replacement. But, well, I mean, Grizzly will take your apology now for all of last year where you trolled him. Is not oh, but you see, here's the twist. Everyone's like, oh, we can trade Krug now. We can. How about you have to, you can trade Grizzly? RFA after the year, younger defenseman. But isn't the cap space the, the issue? kind of player? I mean, what you're saying, you're going to pay both. You can't afford both down the road. Well, plus, well, what would plus, he make? plus if you're Grizzly? signing Krug, you're losing Grizzly after next year in the expansion draft anyway, right? You're going to pretty much either you're going to have to mm-hmm. trade him before that, or you're going to lose him. Um, he probably has more value based on his age and his potential, and um, teams will be more likely to take. Uh, if you're getting Tory, if you're getting rid of Tory Krug, and teams have to know they're, they're going to have to pay him, you're not going to get, you're not going to get return. But Grizzly brings back return. Well, Grizz is making one four cap right. hit this year. What would he make oh, he's on his be, RFA contract? Well, that that'll be a third deal now. So you're talking, you know, more solid three four million type. So thing Carlo for money, sure. right? Exactly. At least. Okay, um, but I would think they view that as Grizzly's just more, you know, in terms of the dollars. An eight million dollar Krug for a seven year deal or whatever he wants. But if we've seen anything in this power play and 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 the way this team runs without Tory Krug, it's you know you have to. Well, it, give the it's guy just, a chance. I just saw him undress PK Subban at the blue line. But it's never going to be like that. There's only one guy who can do the. Do you ever see anybody in the league do the things Tory Krug does with the changing of positions and the different angles and the? I mean, you can you can get away without that. Obviously, I mean they scored a power play goal last night. I mean you have David Pasternak, right? The this next Ovechkin standing in the circle bombing away. You can anybody can set that up. That's fine. You just have to be able to accept the fact that you're not going to have a 35 percent power play. It might it might drop off a little bit. It's not going to be that reliable. I mean that's that's the hard case here. I think you have to factor in Tory Krug's you know leadership. And the fact that I don't think he's going to be an $8 million guy. I think we've established that on past shows. You know, I'm yeah. thinking six or seven. Um, and somebody has to go at some point. You can't. How many years have we been talking about this guy and that guy and the, the prospects? How are they? It's like amazing. They never really do. With the exception of Ryan Donato, you haven't really moved anybody out of here that, uh, that's been part of the core and the second layer of the core for so long. Well, let's not bury the lead. The Bruins are 13-3-5. The Leafs are now 9-10-4. Do you want to stomp on the grave of the Toronto oh Maple God. Leafs after their weekend? You almost feel bad for them now. I mean, you know, the loss they suffered Friday at home where Freddie Anderson gives up that goal. I understand, like, they came back to tie it, but the goal in Marshawn scores 11 seconds into the period is so brutal. Uh, the second one Marshawn scored, I don't even, I guess it's, you know, it's kind of a fluky thing, but the first one was so bad. That, that is a critical loss that? in a season. For sure, because they were going on this road trip, and then they, well, then the next and they get, they get smoked by Pittsburgh, and mm-hmm. then they go out west, where every game's difficult. Yeah, I mean, but like, hey, you know what? I know people hate us talking about Toronto. Why don't we spread the hate? Buffalo Sabres? What, what, what a bunch tanking. of frauds. Yeah, what are they, 1-6-2 oh or something? Oh, my God, what a bunch of frauds. Well, I mean, they're coming wh- in uh, Thursday night. When are they going to be uh, legit here? It's unbelievable. And another team that, like, you know, Ristolainen claims he didn't want to be traded, but other people say he wanted to be traded, so the, the GM just keeps them. And, and clearly, you know, I haven't really watched too much of them, but clearly they're uh, 
in disarray. They've they've built the team around Jack Eichel, who I guess, you know, you hear things about what kind of a leader he is, and uh, this division, some of these teams. I know, between that, Toronto, uh, Tampa, and Buffalo. Oh, and, and how mediocre is Tampa life, right now, right, huh? Right, right. Oh, my God. I mean, their only good wins the last couple of weeks were against Buffalo, so... You have to wonder if they're going to run, if the Bruins have to worry about what Tampa went through last year. They might clinch the division by March. So, um, you know, not just it's not just Toronto that's letting people down here. It's a tons of disappointments. You look at the Sharks again. I mean, they've had like a six game winning streak, but I don't think they played one winning team in that stretch. And then they play Edmonton and get and get skunked in their home ice. So, uh, real quick, you wanted to bring up Danton Heinen. Wanted to point out oh the my first God. goal. I just got to say, we talk awesome about feed. we talk about moratoriums. Yeah, if you haven't figured out how good Danton Heinen is to be a, a middle six forward on this team and and the things he does, I mean, what do you ex- what are you expecting from this guy who's still only what twenty four? Also, I mean, again, I'm also tired of he's write, like the new Tuca. I'm writing. I'm tired of writing people off when they're twenty four. But again, there's nothing to even write him off about when he doesn't. How do you not see the subtle things he does? He can. He's he's definitely a twenty to twenty five goal scorer who plays both ends of the rink, can play on any line, can play both sides. It's what can kills, kills penalties, plays on the first power play. What are people expecting this guy to do? Is it because he doesn't crush people? I mean, it's like almost like people will never be satisfied unless it's the next Milan Lucic on this in this town. I mean, whether it's Heinen or DeBrusque, but seriously, stop with the Heinen hate. I don't get it. The guy is playing really well. And doing it under t- difficult circumstances, we talk all the time about when the lines shuffle, it hurts Trichy, it hurts other guys. But this guy seems to plug in anywhere and play well. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with you. Things have gone pretty well, but of all the hate that gets, <laughs> it's it's Dan Heinen for like odd reasons. It's, and yet, and yet, there's a there's a portion of social media that will be is still pleading for the Peter Solaric era <laughs> to to get running. It's like get over it. Oh my God! Now let's discuss Spitgate. <laughs> As it relates to Brad Marchand. The spit happened to come out of my mouth. <laughs> I love that. Garnet Hathaway, if you missed this. Oh, my God. Spits in the face of Branson in the Anaheim-Washington game. What would what would the league be doing right now if Brad Marchand had done that? Well, based on their precedent with Marchand, nothing. They would issue him a warning to please stop. Oh, I, think licked, I think at guys this point, I think, times. I think we're in super sensitive times now, Ken. I mean, it, we're in the post-Don Cherry era here <laughs> where everything is going to get exploded now. And- Marshawn licked a guy in 2018, and they didn't tell him to stop until the second lick issue. That's a year ago. <laughs> this, a year and a half ago. This would probably be – we'd probably be looking at 10 games. What's the difference, suspension. though? What's the difference between Marshawn licking somebody and the loogie in the face? It's just so disres- it's just He's got a face shield too. So did the Lugie make contact or where where did it actually land? I mean Really he does? I think Goodbranson. Goodbranson has a shield? Oh, yeah. So it probably landed I think it probably landed on his chest or his neck somewhere. I mean but I mean I'm not condoning the behavior. But the funny thing no. is as we tape this the league has not come down with any uh, discipline. I think I, I think, think he was first having his hearing on Wednesday hearing. or Thursday yeah. so so, I mean, but I mean, there's nothing in the rule book spelling this out. It's not even like illegal activity. <laughs> but know, so you know what a, the funny thing is is that Guys, guys get clocked in the head constantly, <laughs> and there's not a lot of outrage over it except from the media. But on Spitgate, ex-players are coming out of the woodwork. This is the worst thing they've ever seen in hockey. I mean, guys like Matthew Barnaby and, and other players like that, so appalled by this. It's like, you know, he would have been better off clocking him in the head <laughs> than spitting on him in, in the oh, mind of, of some of these former players. But I think, you know... It's just it has this this level of I think the lungi is more it's less sanitary too than just just a little lick, 
Plus, I don't know about that. I think we could go to medical experts to determine that. Plus, Marsha had had the kiss, a couple of kiss incidents before you know, the, the lick. Ki- the kiss incidents were always on the. They were always on the helmet, right? They were never skin on skin. They were skin. He kissed the Leo kiss? Kamara off on the cheek before he licked him. It started with the kiss. Yeah. Then it went to the lick. Patrick well, Eves was in there. I mean, too. I guess it depends what you're into, but the uh, <laughs> the spitting it takes it to another level. I think when you're actually you know, if if the spit's still on your tongue, they they're they're, they're all right with that <laughs> to to an extent. But once it comes flying out of your mouth, it'll it'll you're be done. It'll be like a one game suspension. It'll, it'll probably be one to the most probably. I mean, they're not gonna. Especially, I'm not. I don't think he's he has. Stern I don't warning. think he has a history. I mean, he went to Brown, so he's probably arguing his own case with some big law books. Yeah, and... he's a main guy. We had asked Dale about that. He's a Kenneth Bunkport guy. Yeah, uh, I, res- I, res- and I respect the main guys as much as Dale respects my opinion. Uh, <laughs> correct. Uh, we also had Matt Calvert like bleeding on the ice for yeah. 14 seconds. I'm not. They, I'm not blew that so. Dead. I'm not. I don't have actually. This isn't going to be an interesting discussion because I'm not that. I don't care about that. To me, just they, let him play. They let the, the guy ro- die. They kind of did the right thing. I mean. You, the the rule is there to make sure that no one fakes it. We know people fake it. <laughs> he clearly got hit in the head, but maybe the the linesman, maybe no one really saw the 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 the, the direct <laughs> hit of it. You know what I mean? You don't know. And, you know, as a tennis fan, someone who's seen tennis players, some of the greatest tennis players, uh, make their own line call and say that they hit the ball out or that the ball was in and they misplayed it. You see that sometimes. I'm kind of into sportsmanship. I kind of don't like. The arguing on every time you is you know sometimes accept your punishment. There is an argument to make that Vancouver, when they see that happen, should give up the puck and let take it out of the officials' hands. They're down two with the goalie pulled. They're in the attacking it's, zone. It's a really hard Pedersen situation. I don't. I think it was handled the best it could handle. Oh my god! We, I don't know. League honk. Matt it's, it's just not. If but okay, so here's the here's just argument that I heard on another show. So I now just. But, Nathan McKinnon was the one losing his mind. Mm-hmm. If that was the Avalanche and they were they were the ones trying to come back, what, what would they have wanted to happen? You see a guy bleeding profusely from the head. I think he wants the play stopped. I mean, just me. It's a regular season freaking game. Anyway, there was a, the annual league meeting, and Darren Drager said that Don Sweeney was going to lead the charge yeah. at said meeting on the uh, offside rule. So that's yeah. that's the rule that people care about more than anything. Right exactly. Now, and and I think I think it's actually going to go, the coil thing's going to actually make them go the other way. Mm-hmm. They're going to make it that you have to have the puck in your stick. I think it's, that's as that's going to be that's probably the only way to uh, to satisfy, because yeah. how are you ever going to define control? So. Unless it's just within some kind of circle. Like, right, like exactly. A, and, you know. That'll be too tough to do. Uh, the other, uh, of course, it was Hall of Fame week, and... Uh, we had uh, the theoretical discussion that you put up on wei.com about future Bruins that will be in the Hall of Fame. What what was the biggest was you, now you didn't include I didn't include Marshawn because it just got so long. Um, you know, I haven't really dis- 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 dissected his numbers much, but you know, a few more forty goal years, he'll be in the conversation. You know, three trips to the finals, a with couple the cup more wins. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean. The, the the problem with the Hockey Hall of Fame is that well this I mean there's always going to be problems with the selection process but clearly they have a uh, a bias I don't know exactly what the bias is but like when you compare Guy Carboneau's numbers to Claude Lemieux's numbers now Guy Carboneau just went in this year Claude Lemieux is not in doesn't really get considered but Claude Lemieux suppresses Guy Carboneau in the same sort of role the same sort of postseason history a greater no postseason production. I mean, you, you see all the comparisons. I mean, the, the big snub here in Boston is obviously Rick Middleton. Mm-hmm. You look at the all-time points list. Why is he not considered? 
uh, with so many of the guys around him on that points list. No one quite knows. Uh, there's this idea that he was scoring these points in a year where guys were in an era where guys were scoring so much more, but there are plenty of guys from his era that are in that didn't score as much as him. Are you on the selection committee, or do you have a chance to get on that, or no? Is it <laughs> the just selection committee like... is like this clandestine group of eight that— Oh, it's eight people? It's like Brian Burke. Um, I think Brian Burke replaced Harry Sinden, and it's so it's a couple Hall of Fame. It's a couple of people from the Hall of Fame. It's oh, some wow. GMs. It's I think there's a, maybe an ex-player or two. There's maybe an ex-writer, maybe like an Eric Duhatchek or someone like that. Someone like that. I mean, that's how a lot of— People get in by being friends with the people on the committee. We've wow. seen that happen. I actually had no idea that. Yeah, I mean, and they don't reveal their process. They don't tell you who was nominated and how they made the decisions. They just make the decisions. And um, maybe one day we should have Larry Brooks on. Larry Brooks likes to twice a year write a rant, exactly write a great rant about it, and he'd be awesome to talk to on that because he has, especially when it comes to Bruins and Rangers players who get overlooked, and you can kind of draw the lines to why maybe Bruins and Rangers players are getting overlooked as opposed to Montreal and Toronto players. Um, you know, that, that seems to happen all the time, but you know, I knew I didn't quite as much get as much blowback on the Tuka Rask. I think I picked him at 75% chance to get in, but uh, one of the elite goalies of his, of his era and a guy who's racking up wins, which the committee seems to look at. The only thing maybe holding him back will be that it's, it seems so difficult to get uh, goalies into the hall of fame. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the, the measure is. I mean, whether it's Tom Barrasso or Curtis Joseph. I mean, these are the goalies we grew up watching and knowing that they were the great goalies, the greatest goalies of their of their era. You know, when you had Patrick Waugh dominating, uh, and Dominic Hasek dominating the award. You know, the Vezina clearly these guys should have would have been you know more prolific if they didn't have those in their way. So, do you think Tuca gets in? Uh, probably not, just based on the fact that they're so discerning about goalies. It's, you have to win multiple cups and multiple Vezinas yeah. to get in, and as opposed to some of these players that are just uh, not pedestrian, but put up a lot, a lot of numbers, don't necessarily win. I mean, you know, I always look at Dino Cicerelli and wonder what the heck that was all about. You know, how he got in so quickly and so easily. How about Joe Thornton? Well, Joe Thornton's in. I think I think the guarantees are on my list were Joe Thornton, uh, Jerome McGinley. Mm-hmm. Patrice Bergeron to Daniel Char. I mean, they're they're in, and Joe Thornton. I mean, my God, you know. And then you look, you want to get really far ahead of yourself. You know, Pasternak, <laughs> obviously, yeah, keeps yeah. keeps at this pace. Obviously, he'll be in, yeah, and yeah, uh, be in. and you know, obviously Peter Solarik. Yes, everyone on Twitter will tell you he should <laughs> just go right to the Hall of Fame. So, uh, but yeah, and then, then the Tim Thomas thing. You know, I always wonder about like guys that just made an impact and why they don't. Get, you know, we t- we talked actually with Liam McGuire. We actually had to cut it a little bit. He talks about Paul Henderson and the impact, the goal in the Canada. In the yeah, if you missed the bonus pod this week, uh, good Ogie Oglethorpe, the real life story with uh, Matt and their author Liam McGuire. Yeah, and so um, he's he's always campaigning for Paul Henderson and the great goal mm-hmm. that he scored in the in the Summit Series. And yeah. you know, you should really they should really take this more into account. Is is guys who thrived in the postseason, guys who scored monumental goals. And so I think you know when you look at Tim Thomas. Uh, a guy started his career basically at 32 years old, won the Stanley Cup, and won two Vezinas in such a short time. Um, was an Olympian, so there's there's something to be said for that for what for the things he accomplished. And you know what? He's fifth at, right now. The last time I looked a couple days ago, he's fifth all-time save percentage. Mm. So that's you know he's up there with with the with the Dominic Hasek and, and the Ken Dryden. So you wonder if like is this not a, just a great story and, and the guy should be a Hall of Famer, but. Well, leads into our guest perfectly. Eddie Shack believes he should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, 
He uh, was a four-time cup winner, right? Exactly. So that, and he had a song about him. And yeah. yeah. You'll find t- out all about the, the legend here. Um, Matt talked to uh, two guys on the phone at the same time, Eddie Shack and his autobiographer, Ken Reed. Uh, so our special guest this week on the Skate Pod, the great Eddie Shack. I was born in 1975, so I don't really remember the Big Bear Bruins, but I've heard so many endless stories. I've written my own books on the topic. Um, I have close friends who are not only Bruins fans but hockey historians, and one of them is Kevin Votor. Um, he's in part of the Hockey Historian Society. He's telling me, you know, Eddie Shack was brought here around the same time as Phil Esposito. He came from Toronto to Boston to trade because the Bruins needed to be big and bad, and, and Eddie Shack was going to be part of that. Um, Eddie, what, what do you remember about you know coming to Boston and maybe that whole idea that you know Bobby Orr was here, things had to get better, and, and the Bruins wanted to get tougher? Well, Boston was was great, eh, with Esposito and 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 Bobby, and uh, you know you had uh, the the defensemen were like. Uh, who was Ferguson? Who was the defenseman that just got just died? Teddy Green. Yep. You know, you had you had some great, great hockey players there, and uh, and putting it together, and with Esposito, you know, with the kids nowadays, they they only go for about a minute or a minute and a half. Esposito wanted to always go for three minutes. <laughs> right. And 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 Bobby, uh, he was fantastic. He played his opposite wing, and uh, and and that's when he would get rid of that shot in a hurry. Sure. And he he could skate like crazy, and uh, and uh, just a great individual, just great guys that we had there. And how about just the emphasis though on trying to be tougher? I mean, I guess Mel Schmidt felt that you guys were getting pushed around, and uh, did you feel that way? Well, that uh, you know, you, you had to stick up for. You know what I mean? You you couldn't, you know, like like take a, a little bit of this or a little bit of that. Like uh, what happened there when uh, you, if you got speared, you you said you spear me one more time, uh, you're going to get the stick right over the head. And, and with Larry Zidell, <laughs> right? That's what happened to him. He and and that was in in. The, <laughs> He hit me over the head, and I, I hit him right over the head, and then we got into a fight and went up in the stands. And going up in the stands, uh, what happens? The cops come in and, and <laughs> broke, break us up and took us right into jail. So they, they, at that time, went right to jail. Oh, God. <laughs> Amazing. Well, the book is called yeah. Eddie Shack, Hockey's Most Entertaining Stories. You wrote it with uh, Ken Reed, a prolific author up there in Canada, and uh, Ken's on the line with us too right now. And uh, Ken, can, can you confirm that Eddie has never, you know, clubbered you over the head with a stick no man he has yet to hit me <laughs> over the head with a stick but i gotta say if you show up on a, on a new team for your first year or two and you want to set the tone right and tell the boys let's toughen up i can't think of a better way to do that than to get in a stick fight with a guy in an exhibition game and then get thrown in jail i mean that's setting the tone way to go eddie way to put it on the line buddy <laughs> exactly i mean geez, you know reading the, reading uh you know through the stories of eddie shack and, and any players from that era it makes me just Kind of, it makes me kind of depressed that I wasn't around for this stuff because now. Well, I, well, I knocked out Gordie Howe twice. I knocked out Dan Makita once. I knocked out Reggie Fleming. Uh, so I, I wasn't the, the, the Lady Bing winner. <laughs> well, you well you, you combine that with four Stanley Cup championships, you should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh, was, geez, was, Matt, you don't was, want to go there with Eddie, right, Eddie? <laughs> Right on. <laughs> so, what do you? What, yeah. So, why don't we talk about that, though? Eddie? Do you think? Do you feel like you've been overlooked by the Hall of Fame? Well, that you know, I'm from Sudbury, and I, I'm illiterate, and uh, 
I, I really didn't know what the hell the Hockey Hall of Fame was. I don't know whether it was a bunch of idiots or what, whatever <laughs> it was. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it didn't bother me at all. But then after when I, I, I like say that I quit hockey, I said, well, Jesus, isn't that something, eh? I was on four Stanley Cups, MVP. I scored a winning goal. I had a, a book uh, was about me, and it was number one. I had a song. Yep, the song. Clear the track, here comes Jack. He knocks him down. He gives him a whack. And that was number one for a month, and it beat out Nancy Sinatra. I said, <laughs> w- what do you have to do to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame? And then this girl just got in, and I said, well, isn't that great? And she was fantastic last night. I watched it. Oh, Haley, yeah. Haley was great. She was unbelievable. And I said, that's what we need. That's what they need in the hockey hall of fame, a little bit of color. Not boring. Right, right, exactly. Well, you definitely were not boring. And that song, I mean, I was actually listening to it on YouTube the other day. I mean, what did you think of that song when it came out? Oh, it was great. It was fantastic. You're driving along in your car, and you hear hear a, a song uh, named after you, and, and then they're singing it, and 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 then Nancy Sinatra beat me up, and that was great too. And uh, I I love Nancy Sinatra. So let's, let's hey Matt, just, yeah, just, go ahead. Just the, how crazy Ed's popularity was when his song was number one. The Beach Boys were number six. Oh my God! Think about that. Well, that's Ed, Ed, listen, baby. Ed, Eddie was Donnie D on the backup. He was NKOTB way before Boston had the new kids, baby. Toronto Absolutely. Had Eddie Shaft. Sure. He's old. Sure. Yeah. So Eddie brought this up. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, didn't learn to read or write as a kid. Uh, Ken, you know, how did you get the idea to kind of, you know, get the book? And how did you how did you kind of connect with Eddie? Right. So uh, Eddie's always hanging out at Frameworth Sports Marketing. It's a sports memorabilia company owned here in Toronto by Brian Aaronworth. Okay. And what do they call you, Eddie, at the shop, the human rights? Uh, the human resources <laughs> violations. You know, uh, they're, they're, they're using big words. I don't know what the hell that meant, anyways. <laughs> and so Eddie's always telling stories. So I know Brian. He contacted me. Would you like to write a book with Eddie Shack? Of course. I've known Eddie Shack from when I was growing up as a kid in Canada in the late seventies, early eighties. Eddie promoted a pop called Pop Shop, which was super popular. So I know mm-hmm. him from that. Of course, as a hockey fan, I've heard many Eddie Shack stories. So. We got together last April and quickly put this book wow. together for this year, which that is, is quick. insane by book standards. But you want to talk about a treat. Uh, I'm a hockey fan. You said you were born in 75. I was born in 74. I love old school hockey, and I love good storytellers. Sure. So I was in heaven, sitting in Eddie's garage, listening to go. Eddie did the talking, and I did the reading, <laughs> reading and writing. What a combo, eh? <laughs> right. And, and his last name is Reed, and I can't read. And we got together, <laughs> and I said, hey, Reed, read to me, for Christ's sake. <laughs> oh, my God. That's great. That's great. So, Eddie, um, you know, we talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, we're a Boston-based show, but we do talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs a little more than our fans and our listeners care for us to do it. But, I mean, you played in an era in Toronto where they actually won the Stanley Cup, and you won it four times. And there aren't many people who can say that at, that, at this point, and it's been so long. What, what was that like to be a Stanley Cup champion and to be playing in the city that's so associated with the sport? Well, that uh, Punch Imlock, he was the coach, eh? And at that time, like it wasn't make the playoffs. It was you win the cup. Hmm. There's no such thing as you know what I mean. Sure. And uh, and and that was the way that you know, like we had uh, Keon Armstrong and Duff, and we had uh, uh, Timmy Horton and Alan Stanley, and we had 
uh, Carl Brewer and Bobby Bond, and uh, we've had great hockey players, and we stuck together. We we went to bars together. We had we had a problem. If one person had a problem, we we worked it out, and we shot the puck at the blue line. We we absolutely we didn't wait to have a perfect pass. We just shot it, and then and and we got lucky a few times too. And how about in those years before you came to Boston, while you were still at Toronto? What were the battles with Boston like back then? Was there anyone that kind of stood out as someone who you know you? Kind of tend to butt oh, heads Teddy with. Green. Teddy Green yeah. was a tough guy sure. for, for for Boston, and and you know that uh, Boston was a, a great. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember when we used to park our cars down at the old arena. Okay, we'd have Canadian plates on it, and and they get stolen. Oh, <laughs> they, they would get stolen. <laughs> you'd come out of out of the game, and you'd say, "Oh, oh, I got no car. It's gone." <laughs> That's crazy. Unbelievable. Yeah. So now, so you came to Boston for two years, and they traded you. Um, before things got really great here, obviously two Stanley Cups here. D- did you have any bitterness toward Boston when you left? And, and you know, did... well, I uh, like I must have said something. You know what I mean? And uh, saying something to Boston. Uh, oh, you said uh, something, Eddie. You said something. Well, I'm not going to because I'm look at I I, I want to go back to Boston. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> it's in the book. It's in the book. Then. All right, great. Uh, yeah. So, but but uh, I love Boston and I had a great time there. And then uh, the, and the, the guy that uh, that really I liked was Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr was absolutely fantastic. Uh, as an and and right to this day, when we see each other, we always he always give, we give a, a little hug. But I said, no kissing, Bobby. No kissing. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, people always talk about the, how great Bobby was as a person. I mean, how do you describe that? I mean, what what makes him such a great person in addition to the great player? Well, he comes from up north there, Perry Sound, and uh, you know what I mean. And uh, he he worked hard, and he he played his junior in Oshawa, and uh, he, he he worked. Definitely, that he, he loved the game, and and you, you can't ask for anything more. And then everyone, everybody got together and worked hard. And then he he won a couple of Stanley Cups too, so that was great. You know what I mean? Sure. And he had he had the bad knees too, eh? So, right. Exactly. What more can you say that he? And and he's had some fun, and well, with Alan Eagleson, he didn't have much fun with right. him. But other than that, he, he he did have a lot of fun. Sure. And, now, so you're you're obviously you talked about the song and all the popularity and, and the way you played. I mean, did did you were called the entertainer? And this book is about the most entertaining stories. Did you feel that it was your mandate when you to go out there and entertain, not just play hockey, but to, but to do things that would make the fans, you know, want to come back? Well, I I just enjoyed hockey. Mm-hmm. I I enjoyed scoring goals. I had eleven hat tricks. I right. mean, uh, I I did. Uh, uh, you know what I mean. Uh, when I got traded to uh, from uh, from uh, uh, Toronto to Boston, when I came to I, I, if I said I become a star, I worked on doing the twirl, and doing the twirl I, I became a star, and I did the twirl, and uh, and that's what I I would work on, you know. And then there's different things when when I played, you know what I mean? I I did I did stupid things, and it, like and I I just. I just had fun doing yeah. what I did. You know what I mean? Did you Did you love it as much? You know, all the way through your career till the end. Yeah, I, I'm I'm having a great time now, mm-hmm. and I'm having like all the guys that you know I played against. Now I'm 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 
going to dinners with and everything else. We all get together and we all have fun together. We all enjoy ourselves. Uh, at our stage, you know, we, we were making like 7,500. The kids say, was that a day or a week? Now, right, you know right. what I mean? Exactly. So that, that we help them. And, and, and in the book there, we with the, the alumni, we worked hard to get the, the, the pension up the way it is today. Yep, sure. and, and there was Jean Beliveau that helped. And there's there's so much togetherness, and like with Gordy Howe, and like we had so much fun, and and we did we we did all right. The guys that you know that that didn't make the big money, they did all right because we played ball in the summer. We used to get paid. We used to do dinners, and we get paid. And and with me, uh, in the off season, I like I sold Christmas trees. Right. I I, I did the pop shop. I did the. The rough and ready garbage bags, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I did so many. And then I, I, I bought a, a, a golf course. There, I, I was three of us. There was Bob Watson, Jerry Oblansky, and myself. So we owned a golf course. We sold it. We sold it for $15 million. So, I mean, wow. things were, you know, things were, you know what I mean, not that bad, yeah. you know what I mean? Sure. And I, I, Eddie, I enjoyed Eddie. Yeah, Eddie, don't tell anyone you sold the golf course for fifteen million bucks, buddy. Nobody will want to buy our book. We'll think you're already rich. Exactly. <laughs> no, that's why they want to buy. It. Like I tell you right now, I heard so much about the book and I can't read. I think I would even buy the book. So there you go, Kenny. I'd even buy it, and then you know I'm pretty close with a dollar. Look after the nickels and dimes, right? Right, exactly. So actually, Eddie, it's funny. A friend of mine brought up this Christmas tree salesman thing. Um, clearly, clearly that would have been during the hockey season. How did you, how did you manage to sell Christmas trees while you're playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, I, it was after the hockey was over. Oh, okay. It was after the hockey was okay. over. But do you think, yeah, they, they, uh, you think the hockey players today, you think anybody would be going out <laughs> selling Christmas trees I don't trees think now? so. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even want to go out to buy the Christmas tree. No. The key is to fuel up your workers with beer and hot dogs. They can sell a lot of trees, right? That's Eddie? true. Yeah, yeah. So, Ken, do you have one story? I mean, I know it's probably hard to, to pick yeah. one, but do you have a, a story that kind of just epitomizes either something from yeah. uh, Eddie's career or just something that from your working with him? The one that blows my mind. It absolutely blows my mind. So if you're a young hockey prospect today, by the time you're 13, 14 years old, right, you're probably training year-round and you're probably on some sort of diet. So the one that blows my mind is when Eddie was 13, he lost. Keyword is lost his driver's license. He already had it. Oh my god! So we lost his driver's license at thirteen, and the day he lost it, it was a Wednesday afternoon, and the story worked that they closed down on Wednesday afternoon. So on Wednesday afternoon, when he was thirteen and had his driver's license, he was out with the boys at the bar having a few at thirteen. Uh, guy said, "I got a faster car than you," so Eddie and this guy decided to go to the highway. So they're drag racing on the highway. Eddie gets pulled over at thirteen and a half. Loses his driver's license. They suspend him for six months. His mom is aghast, and they go back six months later, and Eddie's driver's license is reinstated at 14. Oh. He's the only four-time Stanley Cup winner I know who lost and then got his driver's license back before the age of 15. That's the story. That's, that should get you in the Hall of Fame for sure. That, that gets you into my Hall of Fame. Maybe Excellent. not hockey. Absolutely, absolutely. I enjoyed, I enjoyed all the hockey. I enjoyed all my days. And and I had so many so much fun eh, with golf with golfers with guys that sang songs with 
just about like everything was just right up there, like with the hockey, like Gordy Howe and Bobby Orr and that. Like I, I golfed with Lee Trevino and with Bobby Orr did did so many different things and and just said thank you, thank you, God, you you're absolutely been dynamite for me. And I thank all you people that are listening. And I know there'll be a few people that will be buying the book, Kenny. So don't sure. worry. <laughs> Absolutely. So obviously most of my listeners here will be in the States. So what's the best way for them to get the book? Uh, best way to get the book is Amazon. Okay. Uh, try Amazon.ca. That's the Canadian version of Amazon. So Amazon.ca. Great. And just put in Eddie Shack, and it's the book with the big blue cover. Yep. And uh, or frameworth.com, frameworth.com, F-R-A-M-E-W-O-R-T-H.com. And if you buy it through Frameworth, it will likely come autographed. Nice. But if not, try Amazon. Try Amazon. Excellent. Well, again, the okay, book. the picture of, of me, yep. there's a picture in the back of the book. Okay. That it's it's me jumping over Jerry Eman, and, and I, got a, I got a penalty for that. <laughs> but that was number one, and then Bobby, that's when Bobby took over oh. when he— scored that winning goal yep. but mine was number one for and isn't that something oh man and then, <laughs> then boston uh, bobby scored that goal and he went through the air then he was number one <laughs> so i was number one for a while there too so that that's great isn't it that's unbelievable and, and you know some people probably would t- still pick your photo over his so you you never know yeah eddie does look like he's trying to eat jerry eman's year there so that is a unique hockey photo two two minutes for attempted cannibalism <laughs> absolutely absolutely well the book is called eddie shack hockey's most entertaining stories ken reed and the legendary eddie shack I, I can't believe i'm i made my friends so jealous that i got to talk to eddie shack today and uh, they'll be listening and i really appreciate you guys both uh joining me on the skate podcast wow well thank you matt that's a, it's a pleasure and, and listen there's one thing i learned about eddie shack the man's never He's never having a bad day. You're always right. happy, eh? Exactly. Yeah, you better believe it. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, for guys. Have a good day. Okay. Thanks. And say hello to everybody in Boston. I love Boston. Absolutely. I should have just kept quiet, and I would have been still there probably. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, See guys. you, guys. There you go. The very lively Eddie Shack. That guy is uh, indeed great. Mr. Entertainment. It's awesome that the guys from that era you know, are, are still around to, to talk about this stuff, and it yeah. makes you – it gives you the, what do they call it, FOMO. It's like I wish I could have uh, really been part of hockey when it was like that because certainly, certainly the games the games now are not uh, even close no. to the same thing. Now you have P.K. Subban uh, doing a do do to let Matt Grizzly go past him. I mean, oh, my God. I don't think Eddie's the worst for uh, the hits he's taking to the head. He seemed fine to me. Absolutely. I mean, most a lot of, you know, you know, you look at Mike Milbury or – Guys on TV, they seem to have gotten through it. I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, Rob Billberry's fine. <laughs> Rob Ray, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the tough guys are on TV, and they seem fine. Kelly Chase, um, maybe it's because they they did have more respect for each other back then. Whether they were wearing no helmets or they were wearing the the crappy helmets, they they seem to just respect each other more, and they got through it. You know. All right. Well, what's coming up? We got the Sabers in for the first uh, meeting of the yeah, Thursday. Should be a four-point weekend, huh? Uh, Buffalo Minnesota. and Minnesota. So yeah. um, they can't have any let-ups. Maybe they keep maintenancing Patrice Bergeron unless he, he's having Wally Pip syndrome over there, watching Krejci thrive with his wingers. But um, this is—it's—it's—it's you know, it's, it's crazy to think in November. But this is where you just got to bear down and get those points, and this way you you bank enough, you can. Play around with stuff in March, so well, I mean, don't overlook anybody. Things were getting a little bit 
um, concerning with the injuries and that 0-2 and 2 skid. And I guess technically, after they lost to the Caps, they'd lost like five out of six. But right. It just feels like with that win over Jersey, they're they're fine, and the rest of the division just imploding on itself. Yeah, and and you know that Florida game was obviously the one that yeah, no. really sticks in, in your craw. But the the two things are going to compete against them, right? The one is the the, the hangover. It's going to happen. It's they're, they're going to hit a lull again. Whether that's going to be different than any normal February swoon that a team has, who knows? And just the other part is just. You know the the motivation part. That yeah. it's not that they're not playing hard; it's to play hard the right way, which they did in Jersey. They did for the uh, Washington. It's kind of tough. The Toronto game for sure. They you know, playing the structure, playing the system. Not only is it hard, the motivation part of it to keep doing that is, it's just like boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Sometimes you just, if you're a player, I imagine you wanted to say, you know what? I usually do it this way. I bang it off the glass eighteen hundred times in a row. I'm gonna. Try to carry it out this time, or it's like it's got to be difficult, especially when you're on such a good team that can. I mean, we saw plenty of times where where they won earlier in the year, before the O two and two, where they won games where they maybe didn't deserve over the full sixty minutes, right? Yeah. So, but I mean, to do it without Bergeron and Krug as well, yeah, exactly. Now that you're you're really getting down to the injuries, I mean, seven forwards have been out for the longest time, but. Mm-hmm. Were you missing Brett Ritchie or Ascension or no? So you know it's just they've just been dropping those guys. So now when you have Bergeron and Krug out, it maybe that actually wakes them up a little bit too to say, yeah, okay, I have to we have to get back to playing this way. We can't screw around. So it's good. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, looking forward to Dale. We'll see if he's got any uh, ill will towards uh, you and I. Of course, you're his co-author. Uh, you have the ill will toward him. He doesn't take you on the book tour. Uh, which was that going to happen again this year? Or there's still more. Um, I hope he's doing the book too. We'll have good. to talk to him about that. We'll sell some books on the air. Sell some books with Dale next week here on the Skate Pond.